welcome to the Urgent Care Leadership Podcast. I'm Llewellyn Horwitz. As CEO of the Urgent Care Association, and after working in the industry for over 15 years, I've met a lot of urgent care leaders in every role and at every level. These are the people taking the risk of being a little ahead of everyone else. And though we all spend a lot of time talking about the business of urgent care or urgent care medicine, we don't talk a lot about urgent care leadership. So as you've probably guessed, that's what this podcast is all about. I'm really glad you're here, so let's get into it. In this episode, I get to talk with Lynn Rosen, CEO of Physician One Urgent Care. And though she's the business leader, Physician One is a physician-founded and physician-led organization, which is a theme throughout Lynn's fascinating career. She has tremendous breadth and depth of experience in building successful organizations, and is one of those leaders we are very lucky to have working in urgent care. I'm delighted to get to share her story and perspectives with you in this episode. Thank you again for joining me. Great to get to talk to you this morning. Um, tell me a little bit about your professional journey. When I was you know, researching you on LinkedIn, a master's in exercise science and now CEO of a multi-state health system affiliated urgent care company. Tell me a little bit about how you got from there to here. Yeah, I would be happy to. And thank you for the um, opportunity to speak with you this morning. Um, so first of all, when I started my career, I didn't even know what a CEO was. <laughs> and most likely, my professional development started on a schoolyard in the city of Philadelphia learning to play double dutch. So that's a story for another time. Um, I, you know, I went to um, graduate school for exercise science on a full ride. I was an athletic trainer. So that's that's kind of a unique way to kind of start your professional journey. And midway through my master's, um, I actually became a full-time athletic trainer at a university as well as an associate professor. Um, Partway, you know, through my stint at the university, I was offered a job at University of Pennsylvania with a premier sports medicine practice of about 10 orthopedics. Uh, We took care of a lot of the Philadelphia professional teams, Mm. in addition to treating amateur athletes. And one unique thing at the time that I did not realize is that professional athletes, when they get hurt, it's workers' comp, which, you know, I'll take you through the next stint in my journey here. I did not know that at the time. We were just, you know, just like anything is, you know, we treated people with respect and took care of them and tried to help them get back to full health and function. And obviously, as a professional athlete, that's at a different level than most of us um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I left Penn for love. You know, I had uh, <laughs> a distance relationship with my, with my husband at the time. And, you know, I left left my great position and, you know, followed uh, my husband at the time uh, back to Rhode Island. And through a networking connect- connection, I was conducting, I was an exercise scientist, um, conducting a stress test for a diet program on an orthopedic surgeon's wife who wound up connecting me with her husband. And at the time, this group of orthopedic surgeons, you know, this was a long time ago in the late 80s, was really trying to bring better outcomes to injured employees. A lot Mm -hmm. of companies at the time were going out of business because of workers' comp. So many people you know, not getting the right care at the right time and helping them yeah. to successfully transition back I to work. I remember that. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So this was, and it was very interesting. I kind of joined this group with no title, no position, you know, having no idea really. But, the, you know, they said to me, it's like, you've treated professional athletes. And um, when I was at Penn, I also had a research background. So they said, well, you might be able to help us figure out how to work with local employers and change how healthcare is being delivered to injured workers. Um, so I joined this group and later there was a business guy that joined this group as well. Um, and we we went out and we raised some capital because we thought we had a great model. So this was my first stint in my late 20s. And we went out and raised money from a venture capital group. And we wound up, I co-founded the third largest occupational health company uh, in the U.S. at the time. We, My business partner and I actually bought the business from the orthopedic surgeons because oh. it you know it really needed to be much broader mm-hmm. um, and we really wanted to uh, take this model and roll it out throughout the US um, so we grew the business over many years through de novos we did acquisition of, of other physician practices out there that were you know kind of dabbling in occupational health at the time. And then we, we on the business side, were you just sort of learning on the fly from him? So that's that's what's interesting because my my background, I had no business background whatsoever. (laughs) But it's funny you say that because he became, you know, he was a a finance guy. He was in, you know, he was uh, he was originally part of a private equity firm, and he certainly had a business degree, and he mentored and coached me to become the COO of that company. He taught me how to read a P&L. We raised money. I learned how to raise money. We went through a reverse merger and became public with this company. We did 10 joint venture partnerships with uh, health systems at the time. So I say, you know, people say, where did you get your MBA? And I said, (laughs) I I clearly went to the John Garbarino School of Hard Knocks. I mean, it was well. Shout out to him. Shout out to him for sure. And we are still very close friends today. Um, And we wound up building that company. Back to my story. So we wound up we wound up building that company to be the third largest in the U.S. And we sold the company to Concentra in 2005, who was really the national leader at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- this was a very unique experience because I co-founded that company. We built it up from, you know, startup, reverse merger, build it up. We were in 10 different states. You know, we had not just, you know, brick and mortar clinics. Um, we also acquired businesses. And this is where urgent care comes in, by the way, is, you know, we acquired a lot of clinics that were mixed use doing urgent care as well mm-hmm. as occupational health. Um, so it was a pretty diverse business at the time. Um, and then we wound up because we knew that we could not, we, we would have had to raise a ton of money to go nationally. And at the time, Concentra was the leader. U.S. HealthWorks was number two when we were number three. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we decided at that time it was, it was time to kind of move on. And based on the strength, and we, we pretty much owned the Northeast. We also had operations in um, uh, Missouri and Tennessee, but we had a great model. So they bought us. And um, one of the proudest moments I have is everybody on my team wound up in equal or better positions within Concentra. And oh, many of them are still yeah. there today, which is really, 
interested to take a look, you know, 15 years back. And that's really unusual. It's very unusual, but it was one of the things that was extremely important. As you build a company, you that's build great. a team, and there are certain times that it is time to sell. And because it's the right thing for the company, it may not be the right thing for you personally, but it's the right thing for the company. <laughs> um, and, and they wound up in, you know, equal or better positions. Um, after that, you know, building a, a company up and, you know, raising a family during this period of time, I wanted something totally different. So I jumped um, and, and, and totally took a, 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 a you know, a, a hard pivot. And um, I wound up through a networking connection again. I landed a company called Best Doctors and they were doing something very unique. You know, they were helping people, it was an international company, helping people all over the world connect them with an expert remote second opinion where you brought the specialist to the patient and their treating provider and you ensured that they had the right diagnosis and treatment. You know, so this is where I work with very large employers to offer this service as, you know, a decision support tool to help people navigate our mm-hmm. complex healthcare system out there. Um, and I started that company. Basically, I, I became the president of their U.S. division. And then I also was the COO of their international division. So I kind of owned the P&L of the U.S. business, which, you know, was fairly large, but part of an international company. Um, and did you go abroad? I did. I got a chance to go abroad and learn about, you know, how to run companies outside of the country and how unique cultures are and how the delivery of healthcare and the universal healthcare system works as well. So got exposed to yeah. a lot of different things at that point in time. That was a physician founded company too, by the way. So one of the unique things in my career is that I've primarily worked for physician founded companies you know, often partnering with them as a business lead to help them realize their vision and changing how healthcare is delivered. Um, so, yeah. you know, that, that was my stint at Best Doctors and, you know, learned a lot. And then I took a position, you know, I really like this direct consumer space um, and decided I needed to buff up my That's where the action is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, you know, you, you don't always, you know, connect your career, I, I, I would say my career has kind of naturally progressed, but it wasn't intentional by any stretch. But I did know that I needed to develop, you know, kind of just beyond healthcare services and delivery, I needed a more consumer experience. So Best Doctors helped me to do that, as well as I took a stent in eye care, which has a retail component to it. So that really helped me learn a whole lot of different things. And just like anything in in healthcare, there's so many various components to it. Um, but that that was, I took a short stint in uh, eye care and did a roll up again, doing acquisitions uh, and, you know, kind of helping practices kind of get to that next level by joining together as a group. Um, that was a private equity backed company, just like this doctors was as well. Um, at the time, urgent care was really ramping up, and I was keeping an eye on that when I went into eye care, and that was in the 2012 to 2014, you know, era where urgent care was taking off, and it was interesting because I kept my eye on a couple of companies out there and, you know, wound up deciding that I was going to make the leap 
in 2015 back mm-hmm. into this multi-site, you know, healthcare world and, uh, you know, part of a, a trend that was changing how healthcare is delivered. You probably see this kind of throughout my career is that, you know, I think our healthcare system is horrendous, by the way. <laughs> and I've always <laughs> tried to be in a position where, I could help change how that was being delivered in terms of mm-hmm. access, convenience, affordability, and and really kind of helping people get the right care at the right time out there. Um, so that's how I landed uh, in urgent care. Um, I met the founders, and it was a P company that was, you know, beyond just doing the brick and mortar expansion, really wanted to. Uh, change not just the urgent care, but change the delivery of on-demand care. So it was one of the things that was very important to me, physician-founded company. So, you know, very deep, you know, experience in clinical quality, you know, because I'm a business person. So, you know, although I was an athletic trainer and know a little bit about health and the delivery of healthcare, you know, I never... I've always seen myself certainly for the last, you know, 20 plus years as a business leader. So I always want to be part of a company that has a very strong clinical foundation. Because when I go to sleep at night, I don't want to worry that we've not provided the right care. I want somebody else to worry about that. I can help, you know, that physician leader, you know, realize their vision in terms of how, how to, you know, operationalize the delivery of care out there. Um, so physician, you know, physician one urgent care is a private equity backed company with um, a, a very strong female physician leader um, who is, you know, she she not only founded the company, she's a chief medical officer, she sits on the board, she provides all the clinical leadership in our company out there, and the PE group that had backed the company to expand. Uh, they were very interested in not just urgent care, but on-demand care. So how do you integrate telehealth? How do you become and improve the healthcare system out there? So that is a long-winded, you know, story part of my, my journey out there. No, it's been a fascinating journey. I want to, uh, there's several things that you brought up while you were talking that I want to dig into a little bit. Let's, let's start at the private investors. I mean, we both know that, you know, they have been part of urgent care for a decade or more. Um, and we are, you know, that interest has stayed high and continues and, and even the entries into the, what I'll call the just the on-demand space, as you say, there continues to be very strong interest from the investment community. In your, you know, what do you see as the biggest benefits of of this, these investments, and and what are what have been some of the challenges that it's created in our industry, if any? Yeah, um, my my perspective may be a little unique in that I've, you know, since my late twenties, I've only worked for private equity or venture-backed companies. And as you say, there are unique opportunities and challenges come with that. And that that is a way to fund the growth of the business. Um, so the benefits, you know, that I see of working with investors is it helps you to grow more quickly. So, you know, I, I've always, sure. I personally feel like we need to change how healthcare is delivered. And the only way to do that is to make sure you have the right capital behind it, you know, and, most 
I come from a working class family. Certainly, I don't have a bank account that can, you know, fund, you know, the the rollout of something totally unique out there. So, um, early in my career, I learned, you know, how to raise, you know, capital, you know, and raise the right amount at the right time. Um, as you say, there are a lot of challenges because you have to really have the right group of investors, you know. So it's really important that you really need to understand all investors want to make money, right? But you have to understand, you know, what their goals are and make sure their goals are aligned with your growth plans to change how healthcare is delivered. Um, And also what those timelines are, you know? So one of the unique things about the group of investors that uh, backed physician one is that they have been extremely patient and they really defer to, the leadership team in terms of the pace hmm. of growth out there um, and, and what those timelines are in hitting goals, which is, which is pretty unique to the industry. Um, and then also, you know, when you're looking at investors, I think the important thing is it's, you know, what I've always found is you don't want a group of investors that it's just about providing capital and then getting a return on that capital is that they have connections to really great resources and advisors. Because none of us really can understand the, the trends and patterns in the market fully. Um, you know, many people feel like they know everything, but certainly I'm not one of those people. You know, so I lean on a group of people that work with lots of different companies and lots of different industries that can help guide, you know, the management team and you know, understanding trends and patterns. You know, our board right now has mm. the president of Yum Yum Brands, which is Taco Bell and Kentucky Fried Chicken and Pizza Hut, like an international company, as well as people that are, you know, deep-seated in the healthcare industry. So we've had very, we have a unique group of people that help guide our decisions, um, understand consumer behavior, as well as healthcare. Well played. <laughs> Um, you know, let's, let's get a little more personal, I guess. You obviously have a lot of experience in taking either a startup or a very early stage or, you know, business into something larger. What do you think are the particular skills required to, to do that work? As you say, it's not like you went to school for it. So no, you learned along no, the you're going to learn along the way. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, as you've inferred, there's different needs for different stages in a life cycle of a company. Um, to me, I, I love this early stage startup company. Um, and what's important is you, you kind of understand what's needed at the right time. And certainly you need to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are as a leader and complement, you know, your, your team by bringing in people. Um, that probably have better skills and experience than you do in different areas. Um, I think that, you know, if you look at early stage companies or startup companies, which that's where I've spent a fair amount of my career in, um, obviously taking those companies through cycles. But at the beginning, you know, you need to be able to grow a company. You need to be able to keep it liquid, meaning you need to be able to pay your bills as you're building a team, culture, services out there. So it's kind of finding that balance between, you know, having a vision, but also really being able to keep your finger on the pulse of all the day-to-day activities that are going on and understanding, you know, 
what needs to happen when. Yeah, that's a tough balance. I think that's been one of the things that the urgent care, you know, the more grassroots part of the urgent care industry that's grown, you know, organically has really struggled with learning is how to scale. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I you know, bringing in that expertise is is critical for to be able to do that growth unless you happen to be a very unique leader who just, you know, is naturally able to figure that out. You're absolutely right. What's your favorite part? Oh, my favorite part of, uh, of, of you know, in, in the life cycle of a company is yeah. when you get it into that position where you have enough of a foundation and enough tailwinds to help it to fly. Um, as we were talking about mm. earlier, I'm a sailor. And we've raced our sailboats. So that's kind of how I see, you know, kind of leading a company as well. And we race a boat with a spinnaker on it. Um, so on the first leg of a race, you are really sailing close to the wind. So you have your sails pulled tight. You're really like right on the mm-hmm. edge there, right? And as you come to the first mark, you know, this is a mark typically out in the middle of the ocean somewhere, Um you're, as you're rounding that mark, you get to let your sails out a little bit, which means you get to relax a little bit, right? And with a lot of, you know, these are really big sails. We sail on a 38-foot sailboat. So, like, it's a big boat, and this mm-hmm. spinnaker is a huge sail. And it can be very dangerous, but, you know, for this is the fun part of it is you kind of round that first mark. And with, a, with some skill and some luck and great teamwork, you hoist that sail, and then all of a sudden the wind catches it, and then you start flying down to the downwind mark. Um, and that's the part that yeah. I like is you 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 work so hard, and you get things just like you're kind of on the edge during that first phase, and then all of a sudden things you know because of skill, a little bit of luck, you know, and and hopefully you know being in the right market at the right time. And then the wind just takes that sail and you start flying, mm. you know, and it's like hitting that, you know, that tipping point. That's we must have I mean. done something right. You might've done <laughs> but, but, you know, it's hopefully you've done some, a, a lot of things, right. But I, you know, I, obviously you need to have, you need to be in the right market at the right time. So there, I think there is some luck to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about where urgent care and, you know, alongside that on-demand care and all that's becoming to mean where that's going in the next two to three years. I'm, I'm not even willing to ask about the next five. Unless no, I, what do you, what do you see? Who knows what's going to happen in five years? I feel like we've been living in the moment over the last year and a half where, you know, we think we know where we're going finally. And all of a sudden something changes. Um, Mm. I think this is a really pivotal time for our industry. You know, we are clearly in the spotlight. Everybody knows what urgent care is right now. And we're, you know, because we're visible in most communities, I think as an industry, we've done a tremendous job in responding to the needs of people during this pandemic. You know, I'm very proud of what we've all been able to accomplish during this period of time. I think for us to thrive over the next couple of years, I really need, I, I think we need a deeper commitment to consistent quality care. I do get concerned from time to time mm-hmm. is that um, we absolutely need to make sure there's some consistency and alignment amongst 
you know, everyone in our industry in terms of what, what does quality care mean um, out there? Um, I think we have to broaden our reach to expanding to more on-demand options here. So even in our own company, you know, our, our, our vision and mission statement always included urgent care. I mean, I've been changing that wording because we're doing so much more than urgent care right now to on-demand care, I think is probably the right term. And then I think we need to secure our future by making sure that we're broadening our reach um, in terms of uh, working with the broader healthcare system. And I'm not just talking about bricks and mortar, heads and bed health system. I'm talking about the integration of, you know, you know teleprimary tele uh, care, behavioral health, it's making sure that we're helping beyond, people beyond that episode of care to make sure that we are, we are really improving how healthcare is delivered and not just what happens in our four walls or over a telehealth visit right now. I think we have to, we have to continue to work on how do we become part of the broader solution and bringing the right care to the right, right people at the right time. It's a great perspective. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, you've been, as you said, and this will this will be my last question for you. You've been in lots of different industries or or you know aspects of healthcare. What's your favorite thing about urgent care? I'm assuming you love it. <laughs> Hopefully, that's evident in my passion for what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I am very proud to be part of a company and in an industry that is really changing how healthcare is delivered. You know, I've been, you know, I'm at, the, as I said, I'm kind of more at the later stage of my career. And I feel like we're finally getting to that point where we're going to be able to change how healthcare is delivered. It's no longer going to be the traditional brick and mortar you know, hopefully not the whole fee for service. I hope, hopefully we're able to separate, you know, kind of the care from the payment system at some, at some point here. Um, so, you know, I, I love that we're able to help people get convenient access to high quality, affordable care. And that's why I'm part of this industry today. Well, I'm very glad that we have you. Thanks so much for taking the time this morning. It's been great to hear your story and perspective on where we've been and where we're going. So, Thanks. Well, thank you for being on. Thank you for the opportunity to share my journey and thoughts on the industry. And thank you for your leadership. I, you know, you've done a tremendous job in leading throughout this pandemic and to really helping the industry, you know, kind of find its roots as well as to be able to continue to expand and grow. Thank you. Thanks. I love it too. You're welcome. So glad, happy to, to be a part of it. So thanks again. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to UCA's Urgent Care Leadership Podcast. Let's keep raising the bar on each other and I'll see you next time.